All right, so I need to know what is your craziest thing that has happened at a sporting event? Like craziest thing you've seen at a sporting event in lieu of all all of us, me, you, and Alex, all going to the Michigan-Ohio State game this past weekend. What is the craziest thing you have seen at a game? Oh, okay. I thought about this a little bit. One thing, the youngest memory I have, I went to a White Sox-Cubs baseball game uh, back in like 2007. And it was the first time I saw like a full in-stadium fight. And it like happened in the upper deck. And the craziest thing was there was a guy in a Joel Zamaya Detroit Tigers jersey who was just getting an absolute tar kicked out of him. For a Cubs, for a Cubs White Sox game, it was kind of funny, kind of like scary and serious. But I, I think the craziest thing in game that I witnessed, I was at trouble with the snap, and it was the most disheartened I've ever been in my entire life. It was like pure celebration, joy, and then the quietest I have ever heard Michigan Stadium in my life when Jalen Watt Jackson was was bringing in for the touchdown. So that was pretty fair. I think that that Zach Zinter injury would probably be a close second. I was I was thinking that exactly. I was like, this reminds me too I mean, much that, of that moment. That, that stadium got as quiet as a 100,000-plus area with people in it could possibly be. That was outrageous. Um, me and my dad were at the Malice at the Palace game. So <laughs> <laughs> that's probably the craziest thing that's ever happened in sports ever is the Malice at the Palace. Um, I, I don't know. There's been a couple of hockey ones with fans jumping over the glass and stuff like that. And, um, so there's been some crazy stuff at hockey games that has taken place. Um, but that and then. Uh, but as far as like something happening in a game, I would say I was at the Rajay Davis walk-off Grand Slam Ooh. game when the Tigers were down by three. That's a good one. And had done nothing offensively the entire game. And bottom of the ninth, two outs, bases loaded, and he hits a walk-off Grand Slam. I was at that. And those so. Tigers teams were so much fun. We should... It, we're getting greedy because Michigan football is kind of getting is 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 back, and then the Red Wings are kind of getting back. Like, let's have the Tigers get back while the Pistons are just rotting in whatever hellscape they're in right now. The Pistons are selling their souls for all the other De- Detroit sports teams to begin. Listen, if I had to make that trade, it'd be the Pistons every single time. So, if the Pistons, if you told me the Pistons got sold or like moved to a different city. It would not affect me in the slightest. Like be a, that's where I that's where I've gotten to with the NBA. Yeah, that's that's fair and unfortunate, but also not important for this podcast because if you love Big Ten football, you've come to the correct place. Welcome to Big Banter, and I just want to say thank you so much for listening through this season with all of us, myself, Ethan, and Alex, who's not with us uh, tonight because he's dumb. I mean, he's sick. 
uh, so he cannot jump up on the pod. But uh, if you haven't already, rate us five stars on all of the streaming platforms. Follow us on any of your favorite social media platforms, whether it be Twitter, Instagram, uh, or Threads. Ethan, could you please say something lovely to the beautiful people on the other end? Go blue. I think that's very appropriate <laughs> to say to uh, to all the listeners out there. Um, I am an unapologetic Michigan fan, and like I said, was at that game. I'm still recovering. My voice is still recovering. We're recording this on Tuesday. Game was on Saturday. Um, yeah, it was. It, there were multiple times where that stadium was the loudest I had ever heard, and I have been to. Ugh, every bit of 50 games at that stadium. And that is the loudest I have ever heard it. It was crazy. From my understanding, the Michigan Notre Dame first night game ever. I was not at that game. My sister was getting married, blah, blah, blah. But that, from what I hear, was the loudest game ever at Michigan Stadium. But that game on Saturday had to rival it, no doubt. I think so, too. And as you had said, we were all at this game. I had the pleasure of going to the 2021 Ohio State-Michigan game, and that one was just like a like the monkey off the back, a, a collected sigh of relief. This game was the most emotional roller coaster I think I've ever been a part of. There were times where like I physically could not stay standing uh, in my little box at the 50, uh, because I was just like, I can't handle this. I can't take this. And just spurts of pure emotion, both the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, and then ultimately comes out on top and stormed the field again, did it twice. So can safely say that it was the same way too. I went down on the field the same way both years. Unfortunately, I didn't find a uh, Buckeye helmet decal this time, but uh, I did take a uh, selfie with uh with uh, Rod Moore, that was pretty cool. So, and he had the turnover buffs on, which was really, really cool. I think we all got some pretty good pictures. I actually got a picture with Craig Monroe. He was at the game, and <laughs> I saw him when I, <clears throat> I. That's exactly what I said. No joke. Actually, I said Sipo. <clears throat> um, but it was really cool. Um, I. I actually saw Underwood, quarterback kid, uh, from – oh, of course, now I'm not going to be able to remember the name of the school. It's Bellevue, Michigan. right? Bellevue, thank you. Number one uh, recruit in the country for 2025. Um, he was at that game. So pretty pretty great game to be at uh, as far as a recruiting tool goes. Yeah. He uh, – what? He he went to that game, and the next day played in the state championship. So that's kind of a whirlwind for that fella. But I yeah, I want to say this: you're still recovering from your voice. Alex is sick, quote unquote, so he can't be on the podcast. I had to drive back to Indiana. I had to preach the next day. I had to like run the church. So I don't want to hear this. You guys are you guys are old, old, old men who can't handle this. We are. I'm not going to disagree with that. We absolutely are. And now I'm about to make a trip this weekend to go to the Big Ten Championship game down to your house. So I don't want to hear Party. Any, anyway, um, let's dive into the numbers on this game because it was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, I mean, 
from a neutral third party perspective, if you were to just watch this football game, you would have said one of the best games of the year. No doubt about it. High, high level football on both sides. I think Ohio State showed that they really were one of the best teams in the country in that game, competing with Michigan virtually stride for stride. Um, I do think, and this is crazy to say, I do think the coaching edge in this game went to Michigan, not having Jim Harbaugh on the sidelines. I think Sharon, Sharon Moore did an absolutely unbelievable job in this game. And I think he outcoached Ryan Day. I truly do. I think the decision-making and the times at which he called for trick plays, the pass from Donovan Edwards coming out of the long timeout on the toss sweep, there was just so many different instances. And three for three on fourth downs. Went for it three times on fourth down, got all three of them. One of them a play-action pass to Colson Loveland, which was a huge, huge play in the game. <clears throat> that kept a touchdown drive going. And I think they went for, I think two of the three fourth down conversions were on that touchdown drive. Um, So just an unbelievable game. And then obviously uh, the two things that pretty much always determine the outcome in this game, Michigan won the turnover battle, turned over Kyle McCord two different times. Michigan wins the rushing battle. Blake Corum, well, it wasn't always pretty, especially in the first half, uh, ended up averaging four yards per carry, 22 carries for 88 yards and two touchdowns. And Michigan wins the rushing battle as well. So last 22 games, the team who rushes for more wins the game. It, it, it's, it's just become a part of what this game is. And Michigan took care of business. I, I mean, J.J. McCarthy did not stand on his head by any means. But he absolutely made some very, very critical plays in this game. Stayed poised, kept his composure the entire time. And then it just felt like Kyle McCord kind of showed some freshman insecurities or first-year starter insecurities in this game. And that really seemed to me to be the difference. Um, There were multiple throws where he made the right decision by throwing the ball at his receiver's feet where no one could catch the ball because they were double covered or something like that. But there also was a couple of times where I think he was feeling ghosts in the pocket and got rid of the ball too soon. Um, I think there was some times where he had a little bit more time than he thought he did uh, and rushed throws. Um, He had quite a few incompletions in this game. Um, I believe, give me one moment here. He went 18 of 30. So, I I mean, not terrible, but also uh, I think the interception inside, you know, your own red zone early in the game to Will Johnson, when you're on the road in the biggest rivalry game in all of college sports, it can't happen. It it just can't happen. And I'm not going to sit here and rag on the kid. That's, that's not what I'm, that's not what I'm going to do. But those are the critical mistakes that will will lose you the game. Um, so those are kind of my thoughts. That's that's kind of where I'm at with it. Um, I will turn it over to you, Corey, and hear what you have to say. Oh goodness, I could have so many different thoughts. Um, I, I guess I'll go from the perspective of growing up and seeing 
and watching Michigan get their yearly butt whooping uh, from the hands of Ohio State, it seemed like, you know, I was asking myself, am I ever going to see like a legitimate win? They had the one with Bernard where Ohio State was hit with the sanctions. And then 2021 happens where like it was, it was as much as like a, uh, a collected sigh of relief and like the monkey off of your back. I think 2022 was a huge, huge surprise. And it was, it was Michigan turning the tides as far as like enforcing their will onto Ohio state and saying, Hey, like this, this rivalry is officially back. Stole one at, got one at home, stole one on the road. And then I was kind of walking into the game. Like I need one more. I need one more of this to kind of solidify this run that's been happening. And it was solidified because it was Michigan finally being the team that I watched, but it was in scarlet and gray as I was growing up. And what I mean by that, Ohio State every single year would play the Michigan game flawlessly. They would make they would make either one or no mistakes, and they would play by far their best game of the year. Now I think it's a little bit different of what their best game of the year is, but I mean their commitment to excellence throughout this game. They they made the JJ made the incredible throws when he needed to, but he was not forced into making the big play. Uh they got the big runs when they needed to. They weren't the 70 yard runs that Edwards got in the previous year, but that the touchdown after the Zach's inter- injury from Blake Corum was massive from an emotional standpoint, that being the first play to exactly what you need in the game like at that moment that was also a huge response drive to ohio state coming down and tying the game and then michigan came right back out with another huge haymaker scoring that touchdown obviously like you mentioned the zach zinter injury but people people don't realize like this is a game of retaliation like you know you're going to get punched are you going to be able to punch back and every single time Michigan had an answer to whatever Ohio State countered with. And Ohio State never led. They tied the game, but they never led. Michigan was the only team to have a lead in this game. And that says something. Mm-hmm. It was a bend, don't break type of mentality, too. And, and that speaks to the toughness that this program has built. You can talk about, you can try to dunk on Ohio State and talk about their lack of toughness. I don't. I don't think that's necessarily the case. Michigan is an incredibly, incredibly tough team, and they showed that with the response to the injury and then also in the trenches as well, which is how they've turned the tides in this rivalry. Defensively, I would say those teams were neck and neck in those in, in that game. I would say, obviously, you know, Michigan forcing the two tor- turnovers, but the way both of those defenses played, I thought was pretty much on par with one another. Michigan played the better game offensively and played had the way better game in special teams. Look at punt yardage in that game. And then uh, Turner going three for three on field goals, including a 50 yard. That's the difference Huge. in the game. That, that's, that is the difference in the game. I, I'm a, there's so many things that you could say, well, that's the difference in the game, the two turnovers and blah, blah, blah. But Michigan did, like you said, the comparison that you were making about those, the Ohio State teams of old, where it's your best game of the of the season, it's your cleanest game of the season. Michigan, 
two penalties that actually mattered. They took mm-hmm. a third that was the excessive celebration. That didn't matter. Two penalties in the game and zero on offense. Zero offensive penalties yes. in the game. Now, now the refs were letting them they play. Were. The Absolutely. Refs were both teams, <clears throat> they were letting both teams get away with holds. They were letting both teams get away with a little bit of chippiness and things like that, which I appreciate. And I, I told the people that I was sitting with, I said, if if Michigan wins, if Michigan loses, I will not complain about the refing in this game. I thought it was really, really well done. How how that game was officiated, I thought that's how the game should be officiated. And for once, and maybe it's because of the timing of the Zach Zinter injury, I think that might play a part in it. But we did not get the late game antics of brawl after brawl after brawl after just about every snap. And I think the fact that it was a very close game, number one, and number two, the Zach Zinter injury happening and both teams kind of realizing like, oh, that sucks. You know, there is something bigger than the game and that, you know, that really sucks. But we didn't see any. We didn't see really any of that. We saw some chippiness, and obviously, it was scattered, you're get that it was scattered a lot more with the special yes. teams than than the than the main guys. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know what? Mi- Michigan outplayed them on special teams, uh, twenty to nothing. Like if you were to score, if this game was solely scored on how the special teams played, Michigan was the vastly superior team. Averaged way more punt yards on punts. Like I said, made all of their field goals and kickoffs. They were super sound on kickoffs. That means something in a football game. It really does. I'm not going to sit here and be like, here's it all the means, numbers. It means something in a game like that with the stakes that high. That's what that means. That you, are, you are looking for a difference in any way that you can get it. And it's with yeah. a game with that high caliber of talent and stress and pressure and stakes the smallest of margins can win you the game. I think special teams was incredible. I have three other thoughts that I want to get to real quick, and I'll keep them I'll keep them very brief. Number one, somebody made the comment that Ryan Day tried to change the identity of Ohio State's offensive scheme for this game. Their air raid, and they tried to run the ball, which they had some success. Henderson had I, I, that one drive in the third quarter. They just ran it down Michigan's throat. That was a great drive for them. But then they, they kind of went away from their pass attack, which they had plenty of success in. For as many uh, incompletions that they had, they had, I think, even in that last minute, the, the two 20-yard completions, and then Marvin Harrison had some pretty ridiculous Marvin Harrison-type plays. Uh, stick with that identity. I don't know why you're trying to change some things up, whether Michigan is going to be prepared for that or not. Um, but like, why are you changing everything up just for the sake of this one game? I do think that there is an element of that and I'm I'm going to I'm going to play devil's advocate for Ryan Day here for just a second because I do think that there is an element of that that is we can only trust Kyle McCord so much. Michigan's secondary, especially before Will Johnson went out of this game, which he was out of the game for the entirety of the fourth quarter. So that's another thing. Um but with Michigan's secondary, with Mikey Sainer still, Will Johnson playing at those corner positions, you can only trust Kyle McCord so far. You can only ask him to do so much. And I understand they have extremely elite weapons at wide receiver. 
However, I think Ryan Day was trying to create a balance, which I think he did a good job of as far as passing and running because they had a drive where they scored a touchdown where it was virtually run after run after run. And then they had a couple of touchdown drives where or or the touchdown drive where it was a very good mixture with some big pass plays mixed in there. I think there, there was just, if they would have kept throwing the ball, Michigan would have backed up into coverage. And I think you could have seen even more turnovers. So that's the one thing that I would say about, that's the one thing that I would say regarding just sticking with the air raid. I, I think they, I think, they did a better job of actually mixing it up. And I think that is what gave them a chance to win the game. Yeah, I, I would agree too. Uh, because, and then especially after you saw the success of running the ball with Henderson and then I don't know the other guy's name. I, it's, it's escaping my memory right now. Um, so yes, I guess that would explain it. Number two, I thought Michigan was more physical in this game. And especially with those loud plays, uh, Mikey blowing up Henderson uh, for the incompletion. And then the Ibuka uh, tackle as well. I can't remember who, who made that tackle as well, but I saw both of those plays right in front of my eyes and you could see it coming. And those are the types of plays like, Ooh, this is going to be good. And then it happens. I, I That does something to you. To see it once, it's like you can recover. To see it again twice, you start to second guess. So I... I you don't want to say, oh, because Michigan had two loud plays, they were more physical. But I do think that that weighs on you, especially when you have all of these conversations about, like, is is Ohio State tough? I think they were much tougher in years past, but still, like, that's going to that's gonna cause you to second guess maybe even a millisecond. Uh, and lastly, the the thing that always got Michigan when they kept those games close was the back-breaking mistake. The 2017 game in the horseshoe, the JT was short year, regardless of how you feel about that. Michigan fumbled on the one-yard line and didn't get a touchdown. Like, that's a difference maker in the game. This year, it was an interception on your own 20, get back to the 10, that leads to a touchdown for Ohio State. You could make the, a very strong argument that, that, is, that that's the game right there. You just can't make that mistake as much as up and down the game was through throughout the entirety of it, I kept going to the back of my head like, Ohio State made the back crushing mistake already. You can't win this game if you make that mis- if you make a mistake of that magnitude and that's in that time. So uh, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I mean, essentially, what could be? I mean, it, just call it a seven point swing because that's the difference in the game. That turnover inside the red zone inside I'm sorry inside their own red zone and giving that ball to Michigan I mean that was a play where you just cannot lock lock in on Marvin Harrison Jr. and I think that goes back to what I was saying about mixing up pass and run when Michigan knows that you are in a passing situation they are the best team in the country at stopping you from completing that pass you saw it late in the game Yes, they hit two, you know, two big plays, but then it all is all it takes is that one play. And Michigan is is the team that has made it. They have 16 interceptions on the season, and I'm blanking on how many they've returned for touchdowns, but it's a lot. Pick sixes. Um, they just are a team where if they know that you are throwing the ball, they are going to go after the ball. So I think 
Ohio State did just about as good of a job as they could as far as mixing run and pass. But Kyle McCord, first-year starter, and, and I think he took his lumps in the game, and those two turnovers, you know, inevitably were the difference. I agree. And again, you can't make those mistakes. You mentioned it. I mentioned it. And the one mistake that I can remember Michigan truly making was the kick that out of bounds late in the third quarter, I believe. And that led to an Ohio State touchdown. And that's just, that's, that's like mind numbing to me. Like, just kick it out of the back of the end zone. Like, you're, they're already trying to do like stuff with player safety and all of that, but you can't. You could tell, you could tell when he kicked it, he was trying to finesse it like to the five or something like that. And it's like, we can't have it right now. We can't have it right now. Yeah. It was, it was just, yeah, that was that, that's actually a good call because I was saying how, how good Michigan played on special teams. Their one boneheaded play in the game was actually on special teams. So you are correct. That was, but that was their only mistake. Um, That, that, and one other penalty was all they had in the game. They had a defensive penalty, and they had that kick out of bounds. Those were the two. That is, and I think both teams only had two penalties. Both teams. It was. It ended up being three to two, but like I said, the one Michigan penalty was end of the game didn't matter. But anyways, um, yeah, absolutely incredible game. Um, One that we will not forget for a very long time, especially with the fact that you know Big Ten is expanding next year it's going to be different. It's it's going to mean different things moving forward. Not that it's going to mean less necessarily, but it is going to be different. So this is the last year of it under this current format, under this current Big Ten. So it's a huge one to get for Michigan, no doubt about it. Um, moving on to Iowa, uh, who Michigan will be playing in the Big Ten championship game. and. I'm just really interested to hear kind of where you are at with the Hawkeyes. Obviously, a 13 to 10 win over Nebraska um, with a walk off field goal. But where are you at currently with the Hawkeyes and what is your thought process on them? You know, I think they're in some ways Michigan light because they, their defensive prowess this year they forced teams to play their game and that's because they can't keep up with anybody offensively that's no secret uh but the beautiful thing is their defense especially in the big 10 west has been elite enough to suffocate literally everybody they've played the one slip up that they had the one slip up that they had was against penn state which would i guess make you think about the I don't know the the validity of how good this team actually is because they go to it was the white out I get it but they put up a pretty miserable performance there and then they lose a game to a Minnesota team that isn't very tough and they they were able to withstand the boa constrictor of the Iowa defense and they um, lost that game as well but also, you have to give them a lot of credit. A 10-win season with an offense that averaged under 19 points, or it was like 19.5 points a game, that's... <laughs> I think it's so funny because at the beginning of the season, I begged for the Big Ten West winner 
to have at least 10 wins. This is not what I meant when I said that. <laughs> this is not how I envisioned it. However, um, they got there. So I guess there's that. Listen, 10 wins is 10 wins, however you cut it. And it's like, I mean, yes, 10 wins looks different as you compare it to everybody else. Is a 10-win team in the SEC better than a 10-win team Iowa? That's this this year's Iowa? Absolutely. But still, uh, winning 10 of the 12 games on your schedule, you have to give those teams credit. And that's reflected in the rankings as well. Iowa, I believe, is a top 15 team. I'd have to double-check the college football playoff rankings. But they were 17th as of last week. And... They're playing for a conference championship this weekend. They did what they needed to do, and they did it better without a doubt than anybody else in their in their division. Yes, it's the worst division in college football. That's that's no argument. No one is trying to argue that. But instead of a last year, like a Purdue team that kind of just fell into it, Iowa claimed it, and they claimed it without a doubt as compared to the rest of the years. So you have to. No, they they did. And, and you were on it from the get-go, and I, I give you I give you kudos for that. I did not think with how anemic their offense was, and we knew was going to be going into the season, or thought it would be going into the season, especially with Brian Ferentz still at the helm. I think it's one of those situations where you kind of look at it and you're like, man, kudos to that team for still winning 10 games. However... It also makes me very sad looking towards the future. Um, just thinking about like you saying, you know, you win 10 games on your schedule. That's pretty impressive. Next year, we're going to have teams like Penn State who lost really the only two meaningful games on their schedule this year, like they do every year, like we've begged them not to do year in and year out. Um, and especially since, you know, they've become one of the more upper echelon programs uh, it, with James Franklin there, teams like that next year are going to be in the playoff. Like, they would be in the playoff next year, and they don't deserve to be in the playoff. That's just my quick little rant. I, I just I just was thinking of that when I saw the rankings come out earlier tonight, and I'm like, oh. I do not need to see a Penn State team lose to the third best team that they've played all year in the playoff in the first round. But I do also understand that we'll get a lot better games than that as well. It's just teams like that getting into the playoff is going to kind of irk me. Well, number one, like you said that you said the Big Ten West needed to have a 10-win team and it didn't happen the way that you expected it to happen. Uh, I didn't expect this Iowa team to get to the Big Ten Championship the way that it happened as well. On their third-string quarterback without Cade McNamara and their offense somehow performing worse than they did in the year previously and having a better record somehow, some way. which the, the Big Ten West hasn't made sense in the two years that this podcast has existed and now it is dying and it's in its in its in all of its pukingly disgusting glory as Iowa is a fairly legitimate team and to your point of the uh, college football playoff having these 10 win teams that don't deserve it these these first few first round games because the top four will get a bye will be really competitive because it'll be the 15 versus the 12 so that game might not be, but then everybody else is kind of in that same echelon of of competitiveness and uh, parity. So 
maybe the playoff will breed some pretty you know fun games early on but then the big dogs i think will eventually make their way into the you know the college football echelon so that's kind of where i'm at and now the big 10 stage is set but we'll get to that uh at the end of the show because we need to do one thing first ethan we need to give a best of the rest as the regular season has ended give me one th- or I'll, I'll start i'll start with this actually because this is this is my idea and i'm the captain of this show for tonight uh the best of the rest one comment on one of the few regular season games that we have left number one the big 10 has nine teams that are go are going bowling eight of the nine deserved it and one of the nine did not because your minnesota golden gophers make it to a bowl game on a technicality. They finished five and seven, but because there was not enough bowl eligible teams, Minnesota is going bowling. They're probably going to get the quick lane bowl or something weird on December 15th on a Tuesday at two 30 in the afternoon. Um, Ethan, they have a bowl streak that's been going on for at least six years or so on a technicality. If they win, doesn't well, on, on, a te- doesn't. on a technicality, if they win, does that save PJ Flex job? No, it shouldn't. It 100%. I, I mean, it is as meaningless of a game as a game can be. These bowl games have already become exhibitions where no one plays. It is no. The answer is no. It, if they're going to keep him, it needs to be because they believe in what he is establishing moving forward, which they shouldn't. He should get fired. But no, this bowl game should have. I don't care if they win 70 to 2. It it should have no bearing on whether or not he retains his job. Do you think it should? I mean, I think he should be fired, but I don't think he will be because it's the the classic argument of who are you going to get that's better? Who is Minnesota going to attract that's going to flip flip the tables for them right now? And you. You you take a chance on a guy. You 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 take a chance on somebody who is unproven, who could step up and be the next what PJ Fleck was when he was at Western. You you take that chance. You find that guy. You're Minnesota. It, it's not like PJ Fleck is some holy grail hire. PJ Fleck was hired because he had one outstanding season at a school that didn't play anybody. So I I, I don't know. I, if you think P.J. Fleck is not akin to Ryan Day at Ohio State or Jim Harbaugh at Michigan or, you know, he's not one, he's not one of those types of coaches, that's for sure. He has never proved it at a big-time university. So I think it's time to move on. I think that's pretty clear. All right, give me your best of the rest. What's one thing you want to take away from this final weekend? Um, shout out Northwestern. I mean, huge shout out to Northwestern. Just an unbelievable season. They actually legitimately are making a bowl game. Seven wins with a team who's over under at the beginning of the year, I believe was two and a half. Um, I took the under. I did not believe in this team. But what an unbelievable job they have done. Uh, that team rallied together. Their defense played in, incredible in some of their games. And 
offensively, they really got some things rolling for that team to win seven game. I, that is one bowl game that I don't know what game they're going to be playing in. I will find it. I will watch it. I will watch Northwestern play their bowl game just because of how proud I am of what that team did. Um, and huge shout out to those kids. Like if anybody can get this snippet of this podcast out to somebody on that team, please do it because just, I cannot congratulate you guys enough for what you did after what you went through right before the season began. Kudos to you guys. That was an absolutely incredible season. And and I was a doubter. I am fully admitting I was a doubter and you guys made believers out of people like me and people like Corey. And it was just unbelievable. So huge shout out to Northwestern unbelievable season getting seven wins in a season like this is no small feat. So kudos to them. This is what happens when you keep covering your spread Northwestern, you make a believer out of, out of Ethan and I also congratulations to coach Braun as the consensus big 10 coach of the year. That is a well-deserved honor and speaks to the success of the Wildcats on the field. So I'm rooting for the pinstripe bowl for these fellas. Let's go have some fun at Yankee stadium. I was going to say play at Yankee Stadium, right? Isn't that uh that's what they do? And those guys are already used to the cold and wind of Chicago. So what's what's New York going to be any different? So kudos to those guys. But Ethan, we got to react to the college football playoff rankings right now because uh, okay, real quick before we do, I just wanted to give people a quick sure. recap. Um Penn State puts a bullet in Michigan State at Ford Field, 42 Hold on, nothing. I was at this game uh, and it was miserable. <laughs> okay, great. Um, Indiana at Purdue, which is a pretty big rivalry. You know, you live around Water there. Um, Purdue pulls Purdue pulls it out, 35-31. Uh, big win for them. Northwestern, we just touched on them. Beat Illinois on the road, 45-43. Crazy game. Uh, Maryland beats Rutgers, 42-24. And Wisconsin takes care of Minnesota, 28-14. The tale of the two most underwhelming teams in the Big Ten, mm-hmm. correct? Wisconsin gets Paul I, Bunyan's axe, and, mm. and Purdue fires Tom Allen, puts the nail in his coffin. So, oh yeah, well he did. He got yeah. the axe. He got the Paul he Bunyan's did, axe, get, but he didn't really. Yeah, Maryland going seven and five is a close third for most disappointing season in the Big Ten. Um, I'm, I, I, Minnesota, like Minnesota wins hands down for me personally, you could, you could definitely make an argument for Wisconsin because the expectations were higher expectations were win the big 10 West and possibly like 10 or 11 games. And they came nowhere close to that, but it's a first year of a regime. They've got a lot of things that they need to implement and fix there. So I'm going to give them a pass. There is no pass for Minnesota. None whatsoever. PJ Fleck, you're a garbage coach. So, I, I don't know. Become a garbage man, I guess. It, it, it would fit. <laughs> uh, I, I, he's such a fraud, dude. He's a fraud. I've been preaching it on this podcast since we started. I, I, I bought into him right at the very, very beginning of the podcast. I was like, oh, yeah, P.J. Flack, Minnesota, they're going to do so good, blah, 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 blah. 
I immediately jumped off that bandwagon. He is a fraudulent coach. Oh, anyways. Now, now that we went through all of that, we can jump into what you were saying and the college football playoff rankings. So, Corey, take it All away. right. We got the rankings tonight. Here is our let's, – let's go with the teams that matter first off. For the Big Ten's uh, – for the Big Ten, uh, Iowa actually falls a spot at, uh, at 18th in the country. Uh, so it will be a top 20 matchup in the Big Ten title game. But then we have Penn State at 10. And then just from the big dogs, anybody else who can make it in the playoff at this point, we have Alabama at eight, Texas at seven, Ohio State at six, which is a little bit surprising, Oregon at five, Florida State at four, Washington at three, Michigan at two, and Georgia at one. So given what we know about championship weekend, Ethan, what sticks out to you? What do you see happening? And do you have a crystal ball? I do. Um, and I've got five teams that control their own destiny. And yes, it's only five. Um, I'm going to give them to you and then I'm going to give my reasoning why, and then I'm going to give you my reasoning why more teams aren't in there. Um, Michigan, Georgia, those go without saying control their own destiny when you're in, um, Florida state, Florida state, you win, you're in. An undefeated ACC champ, they're not going to leave them out. They showed that by the way these rankings were. This, it would have changed now if they weren't going to let them in. It, you would have seen it now and people would have been like, whoa, Florida State, look what happened. Nope, didn't happen. Win, you're in, Florida State. There's three. Uh, number four is, well, number four and number five is Washington, Oregon. Washington and Oregon. The winner of that game, in my opinion, is in. You win that game, you're in. I don't agree with it. I, I think you look at Oregon's body of work. They have lost to the one good team that they have played. They lost to Washington. They have played nobody else. They've wiped the floor with some teams, but they've played one good opponent, and Washington beat them. They have a chance to avenge that loss. It will be a top four win. So I do understand it. A win in your end situation in that game. So those are my five that control their own destiny. I'm going to tell you why I left out Alabama. Alabama could win and still not get in. We could see a situation where the SEC is completely left out of the playoff. Let me give it to you just very briefly. Michigan undefeated Big Ten champ in. Florida State, undefeated ACC champ in. Washington, undefeated Pac-12 champ in. Then you have Texas, one loss, Big 12 champ Texas, who beat Alabama head-to-head, which is in the bylaws of what they are supposed to look for in the criteria of putting teams in or leaving teams out. If those three teams remained undefeated and then Texas beats Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship game, we get no SEC team in in the final edition. of It will be the first time an SEC team has not made the playoff, if that were to happen. Gosh, I want that so bad. I really do. I'm sick of the SEC. 
So that is why I left Alabama off of the control your own destiny. They are not a part of the control your own destiny because they do not. And for all of you Ohio State fans out there asking what has to happen, I'm so glad that you asked. And I'm so glad that you have to ask because I hate you and I hate your team and we just beat you. So, but I will break it down for you. So, for Ohio State to get into this playoff, you must have Georgia win and you have to root for Michigan. So, that's nice. <laughs> you have to. You have to have Michigan beat Iowa in the Big Ten Championship game. So, congrats on that. Go Blue. Um, And then you need, after Georgia and Michigan win, you need chaos to break loose. You need Louisville to to beat Florida State, which is definitely very possible. You need Texas to lose to Oklahoma State. Much less possible and then you would also need goodness well you would or the winner of oregon and washington is going to get in so for the third spot you would need yeah so you would need georgia to win so here's the parlay you want to put it's it's called the ohio state parlay are you ready georgia money line michigan money line Oklahoma State money line and Louisville money line. There's your four pick parlay. If those four things happen, Ohio State will get in by default because there's nobody else you can put in. For a second, I thought you were going to say, okay, this is what you need to do, and then nothing because it's not possible. I thought you were going to say that. And I was like, ah, podcast gold. That would be so good. No, no. I'm giving the people actual hope because there is a small chance, there is a small possibility that it does happen. But those are the things you would need. Because, and the reason I say you have to root for Georgia and you have to root for Michigan, if either of those teams were to lose, they would both get in ahead of you if if they were one loss because Michigan beat you head-to-head and they would only have a loss in the championship game, which they're not going to penalize Michigan for going to the championship game after beating you and then let you in ahead of them. So Michigan would still get in over you. Um, and if Alabama wins, then Georgia would get in ahead of you and Alabama would get in. So you would get left out again. So those are the reasons why on those two games. You know, I'm just rooting for slight chaos in championship weekend. I, I think. I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm rooting for what's best for Michigan. And what's best for Michigan is for them to stay at two. And for. A Pac-12 Big Ten matchup of some sort. Or no, Florida State in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, would the ideal matchup would definitely be Florida Florida State. However, I also would not mind playing Washington. So Michigan's Mich- No, 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 no. Michigan's going to play the 3. So they would play Florida yeah. State. Stay at stay at 2. Florida State win your game against Louisville. We 2-3 two, two, is Michigan Well, Florida if State. so what if everything if everything holds, which are my two favorite college football teams by Fun. the way. This 
yeah, when Michigan was terrible, I adopted, I adopted FSU as like kind of my my team. Because I love their colors. I thought their colors were dope, and their jerseys were. Their really jerseys cool. are pretty sweet. If everything holds, it would it would probably be it would be Michigan Washington in the Rose Bowl as the final send off, which I'm kind of hoping for. Like as far as like a big or Big Ten Pac-12 as like the final Rose Bowl traditional matchup. And then, because Florida State would move. Yeah, but Washington, but Washington is a nine and a half point underdog. Correct. I'm, that's what I'm saying if it holds. So the only way that Michigan plays Florida State is if Washington loses and then Florida State wins. They would move up and then Oregon would slide into the four and they would play Georgia if, in, if that's mm-hmm. the case. I do have to correct myself. Iowa in the college football player rankings is 16th and they are 18th in the AP poll. So apologies on my end. But the AP. And the college football. Please don't ever mention the A people when the CFP is out ever I, again. I just had to fix a an incorrect statement, Ethan. So calm, calm your <laughs> calm your trousers over there. But everything else aligns the way it needs to align. Uh, I'm excited for championship weekend. I truly, I agree with you. In the event that Michigan loses to an Iowa. Maybe Michigan gets left out, but I don't think you can put Ohio State in over them, just given that the head-to-head. Although I've been reading some stuff. Wait, say that one more time? In the event that Michigan were to lose to Iowa, there are some people that are writing saying that Ohio State could squeak in, which no. is false. The, That's what the, I'm saying. Yeah, no. The, com- the committee, they literally have a format for this. Head-to-head. If your record is equal, the head-to-head is what takes precedence. Michigan would have played one more game because they made it to a championship game and beat you head-to-head. You lose. Like, that's it. There's a 0.0% chance that you get in ahead of Michigan. It is not happening. They already beat you. Get over. Well, actually, don't get over it. Wallow in pity for the next 360, however. Yeah, actually, did we mention on the podcast that Michigan beat Ohio State in the game this weekend? I don't think we've mentioned that yet. Yeah, we did. Oh, we did? And we still love it, and we still hate Ohio State. But we love that you listen if you're an Ohio State fan, so there's that. We love you for listening. We just don't love right. your school. And we kind of hate you a little bit, too. Just kidding. No, we don't. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa I was whoa, whoa. kidding. We don't hate anybody. I was kidding. All right. Are you ready to make some I'm picks? I'm ready to make some picks. It's championship weekend picks, baby. It's okay, listen, weekend. folks, folks, folks. You've heard us complain all the time this whole year about how there's no good games in the Big Ten. All of these games sucks. And you know what? We fixed it for you. Because championship weekend is not Big Ten football. There's only one Big Ten football game in the rest. And it will probably be pretty bad. Uh, <laughs> It'll probably be pretty hard to watch. The light that never dies out. Let's keep it going. Um, I, so we're going to start off with something Big Ten related, and then we will finish by picking the Big Ten championship game. Are you ready? Never been more ready in my life. Let's go. Okay, so in the Big Ten Championship game, we have a stat. We have we have a line, and we are going to pick 
It is Iowa total points for the game. Under. Iowa total points scored in this game. Over under six. It went from six and a half. It is now six. Under? Under six? And I have an I have an opportunity for a push? Absolutely taking that under. <laughs> Corey's never been so happy in his entire life that he has a chance for a push. I I just oh I don't think I don't I don't think they have a touchdown drive in them. I really don't. I'm gonna take the under as well. I am. I think they score one field goal. I think it's gonna be very, very similar to two years ago. I don't think Michigan will score quite as many points as they as they did in that game, but I think they allow the same amount. Three. I think they get a field goal. So I I will take the under as well. We start off with a sick, sick pick. Um, because that's just what we do on this show. Okay. Uh the Conference USA Championship game, undefeated Liberty taking on New Mexico State. Liberty favored by 10 in this game. I'll go first on this one. Um, I think Liberty is just a really good football team. I think New Mexico State is going to be the toughest task that they've had so far this season. Oh, it's just a matter of whether or not you take the points. Did they already play New Mexico State? They did. They beat them 33-17 in week two. I'm going to take Liberty. I'm going to trust them to cover here. I'll take Liberty minus 10. New Mexico State just shellacked Auburn in Auburn. Jerry Kill has been coaching them boys up real nice. Now, I'm not saying that New Mexico State's going to win. I do believe in Liberty. I think they're probably the best group of five team that's left outside. I know James Madison has a loss. I would love to see that bowl game, though. I think that would be a lot of fun. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Tulane? You're just letting Tulane? I believe. I'm giving them no. I respect. believe in the Dukes, baby. I believe in the Flames. In Tulane, actually, the wave is pretty sick. So, who? There's so much good football outside of the Big Ten. Regardless, uh, I get New Mexico State to cover the spread to play a team a second time. I think it's pretty hard to beat them up. So, give me New Mexico State. All right, we get to watch this game on Friday. It's going to determine a playoff spot in all likelihood, the Pac-12 championship. Oregon taking on undefeated Washington, trying to avenge their only loss of the season. Oregon is favored by nine and a half in this game. Corey, quickly, what's the Gosh, this is one of those things where it's like Vegas is begging you to take Washington because, oh, they're undefeated. They're all this stuff. I don't usually do that. And I'm like, I, I, I've gone, I've rode Washington this whole year, but I just had this thought right then and there. This is a number where they're begging you to take Washington to cover this spread. I think I'm going to regret it, but I'll take the Ducks to avenge a road loss, a close road loss, and they've been playing some pretty good football. They are not begging you to take Washington. They're begging you to take Oregon. The public betting on this is over 80% of the bets coming in on Oregon, and the line is not moving. There is some huge money coming in on Washington. The Sharps are all over Washington, plus nine and a half. I'm going to include myself in that conversation. Give me Washington plus the points. This is going to be a much closer football game than people think. If you're giving me nine and a half, I'm absolutely going to take it. Give me Washington. Give me Michael Penix. Mania. Can I have... He comes can I have out. can I have a can I have a 
Can I have a redo? What no. you you can you had a redo? Yes, go I'm ahead. taking. How go dare ahead. I? How dare go I think ahead. to myself I'm going to pick against the Huskies? I've picked with them all year. That was stupid, 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 stupid. I, I'm... All right, we're both riding with the Huskies. You'll love to hear it. All right, Miami of Ohio taking on Toledo in some action. The MAC Championship. Toledo minus seven and a half. Quick pick, Corey. Toledo. Toledo is eleven and one. This is a good football yeah. team. The MAC has a lot of bowl eligible yeah, teams Toledo. as well. Toledo's nasty. I don't know why when they play Miami, it just feels like it's always a close game. I, I'm going to take Toledo here. Uh, it's probably really stupid. I probably should be taking Miami, but I'm going to take my. I'm going to take Toledo and pump the points. Okay, Oklahoma State. Big 12 championship game. Way to go, Oklahoma. Way to make it not a rematch of the Red River rivalry because you're dog water. Texas, 14 and a half point favorites over Oklahoma State. I think this is just kind of one of those games where it's just going to be a little bit closer than you think. I'm going to take Oklahoma State plus the points. I think Texas does win the game, but I think it's within the 14 point margin. So I'll take Oklahoma State to cover. This is going to be a sweaty, sweaty game. Longhorns fans are going to have sweaty, sweaty palms. They're going to squeak this one out with a game-winning field goal. They're going to take it by one or two points. Wow. So you're calling for a really close game taking Oklahoma State. Nice. Love it. All right, Mountain West Championship. We got Boise State taking on UNLV. Boise State, not the Boise State team of old. They are two-point favorites in this game. I believe they fired their head coach, if I'm not mistaken, they, they but still made the conference championship game. I, I'm taking UNLV in this game. I think UNLV is going to win it outright. Their offense is good, very good. Um, I believe they have one of the top 20 ranked offenses in the country. I think they go out. I think they beat Boise State outright. So take half that money, put it on the money line. Make Michigan's resume much, much better. UNLV, as a conference champion, they take it home. They cover. I forgot I forgot Michigan played UNLV. That's a good point. <laughs> um, we've got SMU taking on Tulane, who you so egregiously forgot about when talking about the group of five. This is in the AAC championship game. Tulane minus four in this game. Oh, I'm going to let you take this one first, Corey. Tulane's minus four in this game. Okay, I will say they would be undefeated if they had their starting quarterback in the Ole Miss game. They did not, and they've looked like a completely different team with him there. The The green wave rolls to a New Year's Six Bowl. I'm taking them and the points. Oh, I'm going to take Tulane here, too. It's another favorite. It's another stupid decision. But I just feel like they're the better football team. So give me Tulane. I'll punt the points. All right. Sun Belt Championship. Appalachian State taking on Troy. Troy favored by six and a half. I'm going to take App, App State to cover here. Uh, been playing better football of late. Um, I just think that this is just too many points. I'm not going to say it's, you know, something crazy. But they're the only team who's beaten James Madison this year. So I'm going to take App State plus the points justice for the dukes it should be them in this game uh just to be different because i don't really care give me troy maybe i'll pick up a game i love it all right we've got the acc championship game florida state trying to keep their college football playoff hopes alive florida florida state is currently minus two and a half in this game with a backup qb Corey, what say you 
truly, I, I do think Florida State gets this done solely because I think they're rallying around uh, was Brubaker. That's the quarterback's name. Uh, and they've got a lot of talent. Uh, Jeff Brom has done a tremendous, tremendous job with the Louisville Cardinals. Uh, but the Bucks got to stop at some point here. Uh, and they drop a rivalry game against Kentucky, a Kentucky team that just is not as good as Louisville. And if you were gonna if you were gonna break the trend in that rivalry, it would have been this year at home. And you drop a game like that, can't do it. Uh, Florida State finishes an undefeated year uh, and takes advantage of a weak ACC, and it might just be enough to put them in the playoff. I really like your analysis there, and I'll add to it by saying Florida State figured it out offensively and how what their identity needs to be in the second half of that game against Florida. Say what you want about Florida. That is one of the top four rivalries in all of college football. And Florida State was able to keep their composure and come back and win that game. That is huge for your confidence moving forward. I am going to take Florida State minus the two and a half in this game. I think they win and I think they cover. Okay. Last one before the Big Ten championship game, we've got the SEC championship game. Georgia taking on Alabama. Georgia all the way out to a six-point favorite now. This was this number was as low as four and a half. Georgia currently a six-point favorite in the SEC championship game. Corey, I'm going to let you go first because I love you. I just don't see any way in in the, in in all of reality that this game isn't within a field goal the entire time i it's either it's one of two things it's either going to be a rock fight and a low scoring affair that ends in three at a three point difference or it is going to be a track meet where there is a ton of points on the board and it's just going to be you know blow after blow punch after punch body shot after body shot and I really, really, really want to pick Alabama to win. Maybe this is my game where I take half my unit and sprinkle it on the tide and then the other half on the money line. I'm not confident. I I am confident, and I'll even make it my lock of the week, that Alabama covers this spread outside of the Michigan game, of course. but just this is this this is the one. This is the one that's going to be super super close and super super exciting. I'm I shouldn't have let you go first. I was letting you go first because it was my lack of the week, and you stole my thunder. I can't. Let's go. You. Let's go. I'm I just. I'm, listen. I, hold I on. Hold on. Game. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Last year, I was but the young grasshopper in the Padawan. Using a coin to decide my picks. This year, I have taken the throne, stolen the crown from 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 the master's head, and placed it on my own. So, what do you expect? Of course, I stole your thunder. I, I love it. I I love Alabama, especially if you're giving me six points. I think you're absolutely right. I think this is going to be a game that ends thirty to thirty three. I think this is going to be a high scoring game, but I think it's going to be tight the whole way. I I don't think there's ever a time where somebody will lead this game by more than like 10 at most, but the other team will always be able to respond. Georgia's defense is not what it has been in the past. 
And Milrow has really started to pick it up as of late. Say what you want about the Iron Bowl. The Iron Bowl is always crazy, especially when it's played in Auburn. Give me Alabama plus the points. Alabama plus six. My lock of the week as well. So do what you want with that, folks, because it's both of our locks of the week. Um, And we did not discuss that going into it. I let him go first because it was going to be my lock of the week, and I wanted it to be like, oh, let me give you some in-depth analysis, but he stole all. Yeah, the you guys can't see the whiteboard behind Ethan's head that says "lock of the week Alabama minus or plus uh, six. So I did. So. Oh, I thought I took that down. <laughs> I thought I erased that. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> all right, we we move to the Big Ten championship game, which is of course the most important game this weekend. Oh wait, that might not actually be true. Most okay, important to us and the and the people who listen to this yeah, podcast. More, most important to me. Um, I I just want to say this. There are most games you can create a set of circumstances where a team wins a game in your mind. I cannot do that for the Iowa Hawkeyes in this game. It would involve. It would involve catastrophe in the first half on offense for Michigan, where they throw two pick sixes and are down 14 nothing, and scrambling to try and get back in this game. Like, and that's not, Jim Harbaugh is not going to allow that to happen. So remove that from your field of view, because that is not in the playbook. I, I can't, Corey, I can't paint a picture where, where they win this game, where Iowa wins this game. I truly can't. And I'm not saying that as a Michigan slappy or as a Michigan fan. I don't see a scenario where Iowa wins this game. The current spread on this, Michigan is currently favored by 23 and a half. I know that number sounds crazy, but but I really do. I really, truly do think there is a good chance that Iowa does not score in this game. And the game finishes something like 27 to 0. Or or 27 to 3, in which case Michigan still covers because they win by 24. So I'm going to take Michigan in this game to cover. I, I just I don't think I, I don't think Iowa's gonna score any points. They don't have an offense. Yeah, I just uh, I, I'm with you which is I guess maybe why it makes me a little bit nervous because this this is a championship game. Iowa is 10 and 2. These are facts. And I saw something pop up on my timeline the last time that Iowa was a 20 point dog to Michigan was I think the 2016 game at Iowa. But again, that's at Iowa. This is going to feel like another home game for Michigan in Indianapolis. It was like last time. It may not be to the extreme because it was the first time there for Michigan, but it'll be. It will be to that extreme because Michigan is such a heavy favorite. Iowa fans, I would I would venture to say at most there will be 30% Iowa fans, and I think that's. And I think generous. it was like about 20 or less the previous time because Michigan just bought up all the tickets. I, I I mean, <sighs> Iowa's offense is just so one-dimensional and so anemic and so bad that, I mean, uh, Deacon Hill already 
pick or turns the ball over like a maniac and Michigan is a ball hawking, you know, defense. There's I think there's going to be at least one pick six in this game. Uh maybe even two uh because they're not going to let you run the ball. They're going to make you they're going to make you pass uh if you're the Hawkeyes. Oh boy, but still I mean, Iowa's defense is very good. Is it going to be like the the Michigan State Michigan game of last year, where Michigan just runs the ball and just lulls you to sleep? Uh, it could be, but yikes! It's going to be ugly. Michigan, Michigan to score on defense and or special teams in this game is only plus one. I'm, ta- I'm I'll take that. I will take that. I'm gonna. I'm taking that. I'm taking that. I'm taking that. I'm taking that. that. Crazy. I think a safety counts as well. Yeah. So I think you get a safety I am, as well. I am taking, regardless. It. I, you don't, this is what, why college football is crazy, because you look at a game like this and you're like, oh, Michigan's got, there's always in that back of your mind, something could go wrong. But we forgot to even mention Harbaugh's back. You were that focused and that locked in with Sharon Moore's head coach. He did a phenomenal job. And now you have the players for a championship lined up. You have your head coach after all the scrutiny surrounding the program. If the players were as locked in, poised, composed, and excellent against Ohio State to win a championship, I, I feel like they have to be the same. I feel like they have to be the same. I'll take Michigan. Uh, I don't necessarily feel good about it just because I think, I mean, they're not going to pull out all the bags of tricks, but uh, a a perfect final send off. They have they have in years they past. Have. They have in the last two they years. They have. So I just think they're they got they got their eyes set on something else. They want to keep players healthy. Just just a perfect send off to Big Ten football as we know it. Just gross, hard nosed, run the ball, maybe turn it over a few times. Uh, but Ethan, you beautiful, beautiful man, you'll be in my city. We'll be enjoying this game live together. Let's let's enjoy this final championship weekend of college football as we know it, cheering on our beloved Wolverines in laughing at all of our correct picks as opposed to Alex's incorrect picks when he finally gets them in for these games. If he gets them in. (laughs) Should he just be disqualified from the race if he doesn't get them in this time? Well, he'll get them in, but he should just be disqualified because he's stupid. (laughs) Uh, Incredible. Well, Ethan, my good chum, my, my chother in Christ. Those are the picks. Bring this puppy oh, home. Those are the picks. Folks, we appreciate you listening. As always, this has been Big Banter. Um, we will definitely be back next week to recap everything that happens in championship weekend, especially in the Michigan-Iowa game, and what has happened with the college football playoff. Where are the Big Ten teams when it comes to the college football playoff? As I has Ohio State figured out a way to get in as the Ohio State parlay hit I gave it to you earlier in the in the episode so if you want Ohio State to get in bet that parlay 
And then that way you can double celebrate it happening if it does, if you're an Ohio State fan. So we appreciate you. Stay locked in. We will be back next week. We love you guys. We'll see you soon. Peace.